Welcome to another episode of the DBSA podcast series. I am your host, Dante Freeman, Senior Digital Communications Manager at DBSA. This time of year, we know that many peers will experience post-holiday blues, and that is why we have brought on a very special guest, Dr. John Budin, to discuss what you can do to help manage your mood when dealing with post-holiday blues. Dr. Budin is an accomplished psychiatrist and public speaker. He also lives with bipolar disorder and is a member of the DBSA Board of Directors. We hope you enjoy our conversation about dealing with post-holiday blues. Thank you. So welcome back to another episode of the DBSA podcast. Today, we have a very, very special guest, a member of our board. We have Dr. John Boone joining us today, and he is going to talk to us about post-holiday depression and how we can get through that. How are you doing today, John? I am doing fine. It's a real pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. John, for the people in our audience who don't know you, would you like to say a little bit about yourself? Sure. I am trained as a psychiatrist. Um, So I practiced uh, at both hospital-based programs and had a private practice in New York City for about 30 years. I retired uh, two years ago or so, um, and I'm pleased to sit on the board of directors of DBSA. And I happen to be living with bipolar disorder. So I have come to see uh, mental health from, from a number of different perspectives. Yes, John is a member of our board, and he also um, offers a unique perspective of being both a clinician and someone who lives um, with bipolar. John, you also have a project that you worked on, that we worked on, um, and that's your short film. You want to speak a little bit about that? Sure, it's my pleasure. It was a real honor. Um, I was asked to do a documentary short about uh, essentially my life living as a psychiatrist with bipolar. And it was a real pleasure to do that. It's about uh, 11 minutes long and it can be found on the website. And essentially it's focused on the, uh, the journey that I went on from starting as just a caregiver and becoming a care receiver um, as well, which is a challenging journey being a doctor and living with a mental health condition. Yeah, that peer perspective and the doctor perspective, so unique and I'm so glad that we have it. And it's also, I'm so glad to have you here to talk to us today about post-holiday stress and post-holiday depression. And John, just right off the bat, why do some people, some peers experience this the symptoms of depression after the holidays yeah it's such a common thing um i think it's a really great topic to talk about especially right now um given that people are settling back into the post-holiday uh uh period so you know just to to back up a little bit you know the post-holiday uh blues are a little bit different than uh, post-holiday clinical depression. There are those right. are two separate things, and it's important right. that we, you know, uh, remember that. 
The National Alliance of Mentally Ill um, estimates that about 60% of people have some uh, sadness post-holidays, and there are a lot of reasons for that. Um, we don't quite realize it, but there's hormonal reasons. For example, during the holiday period, we're all amped up on adrenaline. And so there's an abrupt decrease hormonally in our adrenaline levels. And that actually can be a factor in why we feel kind of sad. Um, there are many other causes which we can get into. Um, you know, we overindulge on alcohol and on sugar and there's a price to be paid. There's a reckoning, you know, come July, not only in terms of the withdrawal of those things, but, you know, issues around, uh, around weight gain. Um, which is distressing, you know, for so many people. I think as well, you know, uh, the holiday period can really be exhausting and more important, it can be depleting. Um, and that is a very important thing to think about because one of the things, and we'll get into this a little bit down the road, one of the things we need to do to help ourselves is uh, replete ourselves, to give ourselves, you know, from a nourishment perspective, emotionally and psychologically. Um, a lot of times people feel blue about returning to what feels like sort of a boring or mundane life after the holidays. Now, it's almost always the case that things are not as bad as they seem they will be once we get back in our, into our routines. But I think the other thing to keep in mind is that um, a lot of people have financial stressors. You know, they spend a lot of uh, money during the holiday periods. And after that, you know, there's a little bit of a reckoning, you know, to happen as well. Um, the final thing I'll say is that, you know, while the holidays are, are times where they can be filled with joy and engagement and wonderful connection, it's not always that way for everyone. And it's not always that way all the time. You know, sometimes our interactions with friends and family are complicated and right. challenging or even upsetting. And so that can have a, um, uh, you know, a uh, ongoing, you know, degree of sadness after the holidays are over. Yeah, I, I, I tend to wonder if we had more breaks throughout the year, would that help with not having the post-holiday blues, right? So it's usually the only time that we have that long break for most people, right? They just get it at the end of the year. They have to get it all done um, during that time. And then throughout the year, you may maybe you get a two-week vacation, maybe. But for the most part, you have to deal, not only do you have to deal with, you know, navigating the holidays, but you're like, can I take time for myself? That's right. That's right. I mean, the holidays can be a pretty frenetic and difficult and really, really busy time. And what happens is like all of a sudden it can come to an abrupt halt, so to speak. And it really can throw people, um, uh, you know, in that way. So you're absolutely right um, about that. For someone experiencing post-holiday blues and maybe also experiencing, maybe they're a peer living with depression. Do we know about how long it lasts? Is it all of January? Is it all of February? Does it, does it depend on a person? It really depends upon the person. Um, what I like to tell um, people and patients that I've had over the years is that allow yourself a good couple of weeks to get back into the swing of things, you know, come January. 
um, when you're back at work, when you're back at home, when you're back in school, just getting back into your routine. Allow yourself that amount of time. Now, remember, that's different than someone who falls into a clinical depression. We may be taking, we may be talking at that point about a longer period of time to get treatment and to get the support and to come out of that. And particularly if someone has seasonal affective disorder, that can last a little bit longer than a couple of weeks for sure. But in general, allow yourself that time. You need to kind of, you know, replete your batteries, which have been uh, running a little low. John, um, when you helped us out with the holiday toolkit for getting through the times, you offered us great tips to get through. And um, I think when we had that conversation initially, we talked about how easy it is to say, like, get more sleep, get outside more, do exercise. But what are some things that people can do to deal with um, this post-holiday blues period that is effective and, and long lasting? Sure, sure. Well, it's worth uh, underlining what you just said, because those things are important. Now, I often find that everyone knows those things anyway, but it is worth mentioning. You know, I always think like the four pillars of good mental health are, you know, good sleep, exercise, healthy nutrition, and, you know, managing your stress levels. So those are important things just to tick off and to say. Now, that being said, um, most people know that, um, but it's really hard to employ those things, particularly when we're feeling a little bit on the, on the downside. So I think there are a couple of thoughts. I mean, one is, first of all, um, expect that you may feel some sadness um, so that you're not so surprised by it. Um, I'm a big believer in being kind to yourself. You know, allow yourself just to kind of feel your feelings. Um, <clears throat> it is really important that we remember that the holiday period can be really, as I said before, I use this word depleting. You know, we're running around, we're taking care of people, we're buying gifts, we're having to tend to so many things. And so if you want an antidote to that, like something that's really going to help you feel better, what we're talking about is allowing things to replete you. So you want to take a look in your life about what's emotionally nourishing for you. Um, and uh, this is a whole separate podcast, but let's remember as we're focused on spending money and uh, job stuff and stuff like that. Remember, happiness is most tied to the connections we have in our lives. And happiness is most tied to having purpose and meaning in our life. So if you're going to move in the direction of navigating your way through sadness, those are some of the compass points, you know, just to think about. It's funny, John, that you should say that you touched on points, not only um, that we've uh, highlighted for our holiday toolkit, but just in general with our wellness wheel. But you've also highlighted a point that we, a tool that we developed for um, children with the mood crew and navigating through sadness. And how important is it to know that, yes, we did that tool for children, but that adults need to learn how to navigate through sadness as well. Cause it's, it's going to happen, right? It's almost inevitable, especially this time. And it can happen a lot this time of year. 
That is right. That is right. And the mood crew is so wonderful because it's so applicable to adults. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, the basic idea of recognizing your feelings and working through and finding ways to kind of, you know, cope with all that. That's we don't we don't outgrow the need to do that as right. uh, as adults. So we've talked about you've made the delineation between like someone living with depression and post-holiday blues, but that doesn't mean that there's there aren't people who have clinical depression and also experience holiday blues as well, right? That is absolutely correct. That is, is absolutely is there something that someone who's living de with depression, they live with depression, um, and they're also experiencing holiday blues that they that you recommend that they do to help manage their stress this time of year? Mm, it's a really good question. Um, I would say that one thing that's really important for someone who is living with depression or has a history of bipolar disorder, those folks are more likely to get clinically depressed than people who do not have, you know, mood issues. So one of the reasons that that's important is that we have to think about prophylaxis. In other words, if you're more at risk of sustaining sadness through the holiday period, then we need to back up and you need to just take a look at how you're taking care of yourself. Do you need to be uh, increasing the number of peer support groups that you're attending? Do you need to have a talk with your psychiatrist about you know, medication? I would frequently um, adjust someone's medicine just a little bit before the holiday season, before the winter months come on, just to prevent, you know, people from lapsing into uh, a clinical depression or even to have um, sadness. So I would say most importantly, just uh, take a look at that wellness wheel that you got going on <laughs> in your life before the holiday period and uh, do as much as you can to kind of bolster yourself. It's so important to be proactive in a lot of things in life, but it, 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 I'm surprised that you are like, you know, know that this holiday period is coming. Let's do things before we get here in yes. order to make sure you're, so adjusting those treatment plans um, adjusting your wellness plan beforehand to, to prepare for the holiday season and the post-holiday season is uh, very important. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And there are many ways to do that, you know, to um, just be cognizant. If you, if you try to identify what stressors there may be for you in the holiday period, then you have a much better way of handling those. If you think that the stressors are going to mostly be interpersonal, that you have a lot of challenges with friends or family, that they're going to be difficult situations, there are ways to you know, navigate through that prophylactically in terms of limiting the amount of time or what conversations you're going to have, what topics you avoid, you know, all those sorts of things. Um, but anyway, just uh, take a little bit of a... Uh, uh, Take, a, take your own pulse before the holiday season just to recognize what you may need to prevent um, yourself from slipping into a period of sadness. One of the things we talked about in the holiday toolkit was the importance of connections during um, the holidays. And these may be outside of your family, although we know some peers, um, their support system is their family. 
how important is it when you're experiencing um, these post-holiday blues to either reach out to your support system or make more connections to help navigate this time period? It's really key. Um, you know, many of us are, are blessed in our lives with people who understand us and to whom we can talk to, whether those are biological family members or friends or reconstructed family that we all develop, you know, in different ways over times. It's really key because connections and interactions are really what feed people's souls. And that's what they need, you know, uh, that's what all of us need, you know, uh, during difficult times. So if you're going to ask for the perfect solution, if there is one, if you're gonna choose just one thing to do, right? it's probably to allow yourself to connect with those in your life who love you. That's great. I mean, that's advice for just any challenges or difficulties that you're facing um, is finding those connections. And it's super important um, during this time of year. I think, too, because a lot of times we think, oh, I'm making those connections during the holiday. And maybe as you get into the swing of things, you forget to make those connections after the holidays. That's right. That's right. And, you know, sometimes during the holidays, it feels like it's kind of a challenge to make those connections because we're so busy and we're running around. And a lot of times we don't take care of ourselves in the way that we really need to. So that's why it's so important um, to make sure that we have those uh, those folks on speed dial. Yeah. So, John, we know that about 10 million Americans experience some form of seasonal affective disorder. We know that January and February are the worst times typically for people who experience seasonal affective disorder. I know that I myself um, am feeling some of the um, uh, effects of not having a lot of sunlight around and not being able to go outside. Um, How does seasonal affective disorder impact this this post-holidays blues period? Sure. Well, um, seasonal affective disorder, you know, just if we can back up a little bit, because some people may not know the exact definition of it, but seasonal affective disorder is a situation where you have three consecutive years of clinical depressions most typically in winter times, that resolve spontaneously with a new season, usually spring or summer. Got it. So that's the definition. And it's estimated um, that about 5% of people have seasonal affective disorder. But those that do, it takes up 40% of their year in depression. So that's a, that's a long time you know, to be clinically depressed. Um, as I said before, you know, there's a difference between having holidays, post-holiday sadness and having a real clinical depression. Um, they both require interventions, so to speak, and to be aware of them. But the interventions, I think, are going to be different for someone who has a clinical disorder, a clinical depression. Um, so those people that have seasonal affective disorder are at much higher risk for having post-holiday blues. 
When it comes to things like, um, you know, seasonal affective disorder, it's important to continue to take care of yourself and to treat the symptoms that you have mm -hmm. uh, in an ongoing way until you're reasonably sure, based upon your periodicity, you're reasonably sure that you're over the period of greatest risk for you. Gotcha. So, for example, if you are... One of the ways, let's say, if you're treating your seasonal uh, affective symptoms by using light therapy, mm -hmm. or you're getting up in the middle in, in early in the morning and getting out and taking a walk and having light come into your eyes, both of which are very effective treatments for seasonal um, symptoms. Um, it's very important not to stop that in February, even if you're feeling better. If your pattern is to continue to have a depression until March or April. Is there anything that peers can do to make sure they continue these wellness routines? I know I, I try to work out every day or do some form of workout every day and then something gets in the way. And what I find is it didn't compound, right? Then I won't work out for two or three days and then I have to get back into working out. Is there anything peers can do to make sure that they don't do what I'm doing when it comes to exercise? Yes, for the your, ex your exercise routine sounds about like my exercise routine. <clears throat> hey, look, it's hard to be uh, so focused all the time and to take care of yourself in the same level every day, day in, day out, week in, week out. I mean, after all, I think we're human. And I think one of the things we have to do is accept our humanness. I think one of the pieces of advice that I would give people is that it's not about stopping exercising mm -hmm. as an example. It's about your capacity to be kind to yourself, to recognize your humanness, and then to start up again without giving yourself such a hard time. If you have to end up taking a day off or five days off, or even if it's five weeks off, you know, just do your best to be kind to yourself, to not beat yourself up about it and to, you know, to give it another shot. Yeah. So just don't easier, give up. Easier said than done. But. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Cause you know, I, if, at least for me, and I'm talking about me, I always feel bad when I start back up, like, oh man, I haven't done this in four day. But again, as you just pointed out, I get through it. Right. If I just, yes. just go ahead and do it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And try not to beat yourself up you know, too much. One of the things that I, that I have found over the years as a psychiatrist and as a person and as someone living, you know, with bipolar is that if we can accept our humanness, mm -hmm. we have gone a long way to feeling good in this world. Rather than you know, judging ourselves and critiquing ourselves rather than feeling bad or rather than feeling ashamed, all that stuff. If we can, if we can reduce it sometimes to just saying, hey, you know what? I'm human. And if I messed up by not exercising for two weeks, okay, I can live with that. It's all good. I'll get back there. Yeah. The importance of being human, which kind of gets left left out in this like self-help uh you make yourself better culture that we see a lot typically in social media but it just yeah. it's, it's reinforced especially during this time of year right starting up your gym memberships starting up a new hobby doing something new and 
not giving ourselves a chance to say, you know what, we I messed up or I didn't do it, and it's okay. Exactly. I think that's so powerful. It's one of the most powerful things that I have learned in my life. And it's one of the most powerful lessons that I spoke with my patients about over the years. If you can accept your humanness, and that sometimes mean ex- means accepting things that you may not, you know, mm-hmm. would, would want, want to have there. If you can accept it without judging yourself, boy, you have traveled a long way towards good mental health. Excellent. As we wind down a little bit here, John, I, I know we ha- we would be remiss if we didn't talk about goal setting in this post-holiday blues period. And one, just up top for someone feeling the, the symptoms of, post, of the post-holiday blues, how important is it for them to set goals, um, both for their mental health and just for, for themselves? You know, goals are very important because they provide compass points, you know, for us as we, you know, embark on the new year. Now, that being said, Mm -hmm. we have to be very careful because how many New Year's resolutions do people make that fall by the wayside in about a week or two? Right. We have to be kind to ourselves. We have to be fair and we have to be reasonable. Um, You know, Too often, I think we expect too much from ourselves. Mm -hmm. This gets back to just accepting our own own humanness. See, it's wonderful if your goal can be that you're going to, um, uh, you know, uh, attend so many peer support groups. And I think that that's a wonderful thing to do. Moving towards that is a really laudable thing to do. But again, if you feel like you're falling short, it's okay. Just recognize that you can, you know, give it another shot, you know, the following day. So I'm a big believer in setting goals, but not ones that set you up to fail. That's no fun. Is there a way that we can reframe our thinking about the goals? So maybe we don't focus on like these big life goals, but maybe we take like little like itty like bit bite-sized chunks of a bigger goal maybe or other ways to reframe goal setting yeah absolutely i i'm a big believer in just short little steps because that's what ultimately accomplishes the most important things you know what we what we're able to accomplish in life the things that mean the most take a long time right uh so If you are talking about any one of a number of things, you know, those four pillars that we talked about Mm -hmm. or other ways, you know, to take care of ourselves, just, you know, if you can be kind to yourself and recognize what is reasonable and fair, and again, that you are human, that goes a long way towards establishing goals that you actually can accomplish as opposed to, you know, biting off so much more than you can really chew. Right. I think, I mean, even for me, there's a a new year, right? And you're like, I'm going to accomplish all these things. But then, you know, you get to the end of the first quarter of the year and you're like, oh, I didn't do any of those things. (laughs) (laughs) And then you get into that that self-talk of like, well, why didn't I do this? Why did I fail at this? Where where you're saying, you know, be kind to, you're only human. 
That's right. That's right. And and be fair, you know, as well. Um, in addition to being kind, be fair to yourself. You know, if you were talking to your very best friend, mm-hmm. what advice would you give them about setting goals? Well, probably what you would say to them is, hey, take care of yourself, be kind to yourself. Don't set yourself up for failure. You know, one day at a time here, I have your back. Those are the kinds of words that we need to talk to say to ourselves. Mm -hmm. Words that we would say to a really good friend of ours. Yeah, I guess I never really thought about it that way, that those aren't, uh, that's not a conversation I would have with myself typically. Well, there you go. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. I mean, many of us, many of us don't speak like that to ourselves often enough you know um i i i can tell you this after 30 to 35 years of practice that a lot of times we can be kind and gentler kind and gentle to others Mm -hmm. in a way that's a lot harder for us to bestow upon ourselves and that's something that we're always in the process of learning, you know, over the years, how to speak to us, speak to ourselves without criticism and judgment and harshness, but to speak to ourselves with words of kindness and understanding and fairness. Yeah, it's very important. And something I'm going to incorporate into my daily self-talk is to say things that I would say, because like you said, it's so it feels easy to step into action when someone is asking you for advice or help. But then when you're asking yourself to take that own advice or your own help, you don't usually don't take the same approach. Correct. Correct. Yeah. We're not, you know, we're not really brought up that way. Um, And uh, it's a good way to kind of retrain our thinking and to have kinder, gentler voices in our own heads. Yeah. When we're when we're setting goals, John, especially this time of year, and especially if we're in this post-holiday or yeah, post-holiday blues period, again, is this a good time to work your support system into them helping you set up realistic goals? Oh, very much. Oh, very much. I think that's a great way to do it. It's always good to have a team <laughs> um, you know, that's behind you and that you work with. It's wonderful, you know, when you when you share your journey mm-hmm. with someone else, it makes it much more likely that you're going to complete your goal. That's that's a fact. There, there's data to support that. There's no question about it. If you keep everything to yourself, you may still accomplish things, but it's much less likely that you'll actually do that. So we all need support, we all need help, we all need encouragement. And the reason that's so is because we're all human, which, right. we've, which, which we've covered. Um, so I think that um, leaning on others and having others lean on you, again, it's, it's a kind of help and it's a kind of nourishment that really goes a long way. That's great. I was going to ask you, how do we handle setbacks? But I think you would say, (laughs) make sure you're kind to yourself and remember that we're human. Exactly. You see, there's a theme here. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I'm a big I'm a big believer in that. Yeah. So instead, I'm going to ask, are there any are there any encouraging words you would give to our peers out there who are in this um, post holiday um, blues period and trying to get through it through it? Sure, there are. There are important things to remember here that um, like all periods of time, by definition, they have a beginning, a middle and an end. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why it's a period. Um, so there will be a period on the sentence. In other words, this is a time limited thing. Mm-hmm. So it's important to remember because some of us who have struggled with being in the midst of sadness or depression believe that life is just going to be this way forever. That's not really the case. We have wonderful things these days to help ourselves through these periods you know, which we've spoken about, you know, today. So you can claim a lot of authority and a lot of power over your own life and feel very um, grateful that you can call upon others as well as your own internal strengths. So it helps to remember that we've been in these periods before. Um, It's possible that we'll enter these periods again. But remember, we have wonderful resources at our hands, including resources like DBSA and peer support groups, friends and families in our life, and all those things, once again, that nourish us. There's a lot of reason to feel hopeful um, that we can navigate our way through this with so many wonderful resources right at our fingertips. Yeah, and remember to be kind to yourself. And be kind to yourself. <laughs> and be kind to yourself because you're human. <laughs> because you're human. Thank you so much for joining us today, John. It's really been a pleasure. Thanks, Dante. Thank you for listening to the DBSA podcast series. Remember to rate and review the series on your favorite podcast app. If you want to support more shows like this one, You can make a gift today by going to dbsalliance.org slash donate. Thank you.